Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I still play a character. I'm just not a character right now. I am a real person. I'm on stage playing for 20,000 people. I'm going to be a character for sure. Mm. I don't really need it to always be one way or the other. There's room for both to exist. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. And if you want to watch an extended version of this interview, because it, it is a deep one. Click the join button down below to become a member, just like all these amazing people. Anyway, back to Oliver Tree. Hello, Oliver Tree. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Doing good, how are you? Good, I feel like we're seeing a very different side of you today. The costume off. The costume off, the character yeah. is gone. How does it feel sitting here on camera being genuine though? You know, mm. not not being char your character. I feel like um, it's not that big of a deal because this is how I talk to people all the time. Yeah. So it's just normal. The other thing is more like, oh, I have to prepare. This is a lot easier. Pretty much do no prep. Do I don't you have really? to bring, oh, dude, I'll do interviews where I film the interview with my friend asking me questions that I think they could ask. And I usually try to run the interview where I give them the questions to ask me. Sometimes I'll bring out, like I did Steve-O's thing. I interviewed him. I had a hundred questions written for him. So like, you know, this is very easy. It makes my life a lot easier. So you kind of over-prepare. I do it because I want to make it something special and I have to yeah. get all these props and these things. And it's like, Jesus, <laughs> could have just shown up with uh, a t-shirt. When I first started doing these interviews, I would do like 40 hours of research on the guest. And what, you did one hour on me? Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. You know, I, I pretty much got through your whole catalog that quick. Uh, found some nude pics in there. I don't know how that came up. In was the it on the answer. Spotify? It was on the Spotify, yeah. My manager did that. He's met, uh, my old manager, I fired him. Yeah, yeah, he should be fired because they didn't look that glamorous. Yeah. Yeah. I was eating good. Yeah, I mean, you gained all this success and popularity as a character, as Oliver Tree, the character, the persona. Can you describe what that character was like? I mean... I feel like it was myself and authentic to me, but turned up to, I want to say an 11, but it's probably more like a 22 or something like that. But just taking everything that was true about my life, but then overdriving it, you know? So the haircut, was the haircut I had my whole life. I was too scared to get any other haircut. The jacket was something I stole from my mom and my mom and my dad would wear it in the 80s. Like I have pictures of them skiing with it. Um, so it was almost like a family relic. The pants were the pants I always wanted. The socks and sandals, that's like the shoes that were kind of the most goony shoes. And the glasses were like the little glasses I would wear as a kid that made me feel cool. So it was kind of taking all of the things that really was the most ridiculous versions of myself and kind of just like putting it into one place. And so it came out of necessity. Um, I had my first opportunity to be in a music video where I would be on MTV. And I was like, how do I want to present myself? Do I want to try to sell sex and blend in with everybody? Or do I want to try to stick out like a sore thumb and do something different? And for me, I just felt like as an artist, I, it didn't feel right trying to use like 
sexual attraction as my main device to try to get people to get behind my art. So I was just really turned off by that. And I decided, hey, I'm going to go with the route of like, try to look as ugly as possible. Hence this beautiful, ugly haircut that I have. It, it worked. Work. You turned yourself into a meme? Yeah, and I can still make more memes, but like, you know, realistically, there's more than just the meme, you know? I kind of thought that your music would be shallow before I listened to it, just because I've just seen images, right, right. like I've seen different just clips. You know, I haven't seen any actual I didn't sit down and listen to a full song until much later. And when I listened to your music, I was like, oh shit, this is like, this is deep, this is vulnerable, this is tapping into a place of genuine self-expression. You know, there, there is that creative art side that I can, I can see matches the visuals to a certain degree, but it felt so much more vulnerable and genuine than what I was seeing. Right. And I think in the music, you could see the real guy and get a sense of who I am much more. But then like the image was just the exact opposite. Yeah. And for me, that was actually fun because I'm so into the idea of juxtaposition, yeah. taking things that don't go together and trying to find ways for them to fit. Because in art, there's only so many songs that can get made. There's only so much lyrics and chord progressions that work in the pop context and just in general. So everything's played out. It's pretty much already been done. So I've found as an artist, one of the few ways that you can do new things is by meshing together things that probably shouldn't go together. And so when you look at my project, it's pretty much at the core, a juxtaposition. What was the goal with the character? Was the goal to create that mask, to say like, this is totally different than the sound, it's that juxtaposition? Was it a way for you to kind of give something else for people to focus on while you were able to express that genuine, vulnerable side of you? That's a good question. I think the answer ultimately is, as an artist, my job is to put up a mirror in front of society. So to show just how ridiculous and how stupid things have gotten, I kind of had set that mirror up to show society, hey, this is kind of like an extreme version of where we're at right now. So when you fully dove in with the, the character, it was really to grab attention and have them then pay attention to the lyrics and Who's the meaning, they? I guess audiences. Right. Yeah, it was just a way to see like, okay, like for me, I think it also stemmed from, I spent many years of my life with another project and I tried to take myself so serious. And I was like, oh my God, like why won't anyone take me serious as an artist? Like this is so uh, like mad at the world, you know, and trying mm. this angle. And I think like when you're focused in, hyper-focused on trying to do something and it's not working, you have to look and find another exit or entrance in. So it's like, um, are you familiar with the idea of the quantum leap? Tell me about it. I'm not super well-versed, but a friend gave me a book and I don't read books. I was like, bro, I'm not gonna read this. He's like, you gotta read it, it's only 40 pages. I was like, I'd like to say I'm going to, but I'm not. But I did read the first two pages. Oh, okay, but and you the, got enough. You I got, got enough from enough. that. <laughs> the first two pages just talks about a fly trying to get out of a room. So it's stuck in this room and it's at this window and it's hitting the wall of the window. Mm -mm. And the same result time after time. And the idea of the quantum leap is not necessarily to figure out how to get through the window, but to find another entrance or exit of that room. So if the fly goes around and finds there's maybe a door or another way out. So for me, like the way I look at it is like the idea of entertainment is 360, it's a circle. So like trying to find these different ways to penetrate into the center to try to get to whatever the goal is. And so for me, every time I try something, it's trying a different angle slightly and I keep trying to go. So it's like, oh, this didn't work. I'm gonna try to go this way now and this way. And like, that's why my style is very eclectic because I'm just constantly one failure after another trying to figure out how mm -hmm. to break into the place I want to get and how to get there. And it 
It's never there. It's never close. But there's certain times where in the reaching for the impossible, you reach the impossible. And it's very few. It happens very rarely. And I don't use the word success very much. I, I use the word failure and not in a negative way. I, for, for me, everything is a failure. Unless those one or two things that are like life-changing success. But I don't have negative connotation around the idea of failure. That word isn't bad. For right. me, the biggest part of success is failure. That's how you get to success. You said that it was to get to the goal. Have you put words to what that goal is? Uh, for me, the goal is to inspire as many people as I can while I'm alive. And so that's why it's like the need of the shift of like, okay, how I present myself isn't serving me to make the greatest impact. If I'm just going to always be that people, there's going to be a large margin of people who are always off put by that. So the greatest inspiration that I can make as a human and harness is not going to be able to be reached if I'm just stuck in that character, which is very one dimensional. You know, mm -hmm. it only shows a small part of my range, especially like if I'm here doing an interview with you and now what I'm going to put you in a headlock and we're going to fight. And that's like every interview I do for the rest of my life. I kind of did that and got it out of my system. And there's still room for me to go back to that, depending on what's the right setting for that. How would you know if you reach that goal? Or is there ever gonna be a time when you're satisfied and you're like, reach, that goal has been reached? The goal won't ever be reached, but that's not the reason why I do it. The reason why I do it is because I have to do it and I'll do that till I die. It's just a drive within you that you can't escape? It's just like, you know, why do you drink water? Why do you eat? It's just part of our survival. Like for me to survive is to create. And like, I thought about this recently, like something bad happened to me and I was really bummed. And I thought about music, for example, and music is the one thing that's always there for me. Music has kept me alive, realistically. Man, I feel like we just need to sit on how many remixes have been made of Miss You. It's insane. How many are there, like hundreds, thousands? Well, I was actually working very hard to break the world record. Oh yeah? I was trying to break, I think it was 144 by Madonna. And I think we got to 141 or something what? like that. What? You need just three more? We three more, and we're Bro, so close. If you're watching, we just need three we more need three remixes. We're breaking the world record. The crazy thing about that song was that Miss You is a remix of a song that I had made four years before with Marshmallow. And then this kid, South Star in Germany, he remade the song. He remixed it, uh, but he took my name off of it, and then he changed the title, he released it, and then it became super big. My label was like, hey, we need, this is a remix of Oliver's song. And then they were like, oh, well, we're just gonna have someone re-sing his part. And now it's a cover. And then what was crazy was I didn't even care. I had nothing to do with this. I didn't know anything about this. This was all happening behind the scenes. And since the other label replaced my vocal, my label took the song and said, we're gonna replace your beat and recreate it. So then they made this song and then they took it to me and they were like, hey, we wanna, here's the song that went viral and we wanna release it. Like the official version. Here's the official version. And they didn't say who, I didn't even know who South Star was or who the other person on the song was who had recreated it. They just had some initials. And I was like, can we just change it to make it say the original song title? And can we have my name on it and call it a remix? And they're like, yeah. well, no, the song's already so big. We can't do that. And I was like, all right, I guess that's not that big of a deal. So. A week later, it comes out, and I look at the YouTube comments, and it's just like, you stole this song from South Star. I'm like, who is South Star, and how could I have stolen my own song that I had made? So I was just confused. I was like, what the hell? And I was like seeing all these comments, and I call my manager. I'm like, bro, what is going on here? We got to take this song down. I don't know what's going on here, but like, I don't want any part of this. And then like, you know, my manager was talking about the label, and they're like, it's all good. Like, it's all being resolved. 
and it will be resolved soon. I was like, okay, cool. And then like a week passes and the song starts going crazy more viral and then crazy, and it just, and I'm like, what's up with the song here? A lot of people are upset here. A lot of people hate me for this. I don't have anything to do with this. And then it just kept being like, oh, it's being sorted out. It's all good. Just sit easy. The song's doing its thing. We're gonna People get. We're gonna hate you for a minute. It's okay. <laughs> and I was just like, and it kept going. And every week, I would keep calling and being like, "How's things with this resolution here? Is it worked out?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're right there. Everything's been inked up." And so, like, it was this never-ending thing. And like, I even talked with the kid as well, and we both were like, kind of strapped up in the middle of a war between two labels it had nothing to do with us. Uh. It wasn't even like he wanted to switch the vocal, but then his label made him do that. And then, so the whole thing was a very weird situation where it wasn't like I had stolen anything. And, and initially he had kind of taken my song and taken and done whatever he wanted with it, which, you know, I'm not gonna say that I was stealing either, but like no one stole anything. It was just how art gets made now is like, you take from something, you put your spin on it and you put it out. And we were both kind of just caught in the middle of this war. It was a very weird situation. Did it get resolved? Yes, finally, it got resolved. And it was crazy because they were like, it's resolved now. And then I was like, cool. And I was like in Berlin where the kid is uh, from in, in Germany. And I was like, we resolved this. And like, when the song gets bought by you, he gets money. And when you buy his song, I get money. And, yeah. and, and then like he, he like hit me up, he's like, what's up with this? Why are you saying this? I was like, this is what they told me. Yeah. And he's like, it hasn't been resolved yet. I was like, oh my God. But anyways, after time, I think it's been like probably eight, nine months. It was finally resolved like a few months ago. Officially resolved? Yeah, officially. One thing that I notice in your music videos is this imagery of you falling mm -hmm. to your death. Mm -hmm. Is there anywhere that that comes from? Does that represent anything? Because in my childhood, I had a lot of nightmares where I was always, I was always falling mm -hmm. to my death. And like, I'd wake up right when I hit the ground. Falling you, off your the body slide. jolts. Yeah, too? I'd, wait, I'd yeah. wake up. I get those still. I feel like that imagery. There's something about it that's like eerie, but nostalgic at the same time. I don't know. Is this like a common thing that you? I've explored with? death a lot, especially in the first album. Um, I explored death heavily because I think ultimately that's why people go to religion and a lot of different things. It's like what happens after life, and so as an artist, it's something that I ponder, and to process the thoughts and especially because I've lost people in my life when I was younger um, and it was pretty heavy duty for me. That was always a big thing of like, well, what happens after life? And almost in a way preparing myself for my own death. And so kind of like putting myself into those scenarios and kind of living it so that I could kind of experience it and process it so that it's not such a big deal because mm. death is like something that, especially in the West, we don't really know how to talk about it. And it's kind of something we sweep under the rug and it's like, well, someone died and we go to the funeral and then let's not really talk about it too much, you know? Makes it or, scary. Yeah, let's, let's remember the good memories, but let's not talk about the death side. And in the East, in certain, Religions like Buddhism, it's like they're spending their life training for death almost, you know? How do we like try to like skyrocket the farthest we can when we pass and how do we make the next life better? And so much is centered around death. So during the period where I was making tons of art around death, I was posting a lot of stuff around death. And one idea that got proposed to be posted on my page was a picture from a funeral um, that had my face and name on it. And I had no idea what this image was from. I did not make this image. Someone brought to my attention that this was an edited picture of a funeral of an artist. Um, and the second that I found that out, I immediately took it down. I apologized to that person. And I made a post and said, hey, you know, 
the image that I posted. I'm, I very much sincerely apologize. It just, it's a horrible situation. I, I sincerely apologize to the family, the artists, their fans. This was not an intentional thing. I had no idea what the sourced image was from. But I saw it. I didn't ask twice about where the image came from and it was posted on my account. And honestly, the biggest regret of my entire career, this is something that I can't even put into words. And just, you know, something that has just left a huge smear on something that I've tried so hard to create a place to inspire people, make people laugh, make people feel and make the world more colorful. And I've tried so hard to pull people from their grief. Meanwhile, something like this gets posted on my account and just created so much grief for people. And the part that makes it really hard too is it was unintentional. There was no intention of hurting someone or hurting anyone. It was just something that it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Those posted those super uninformed and yeah, I learned a lot from that. I learned that even if you have no following, it doesn't matter. This is something that still could have a big effect and it doesn't matter if you have one follower or one million followers, you should know what everything gets posted on your account is from and you should make sure that it's something that isn't going to cause grief to people. Quick fact, Rocket Money is sponsoring this episode. Most people think they're spending about $80 a month on subscriptions when it's actually closer to $200. I will be the first to admit that I am one of those people who realized that they were being double charged for things I didn't even remember signing up for. Like I guess I signed up for Spotify with two different emails and was getting double charged. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the subscriptions that you don't want with just a single press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash Padilla. That's rocketmoney.com slash Padilla. Rocketmoney.com slash Padilla. The show is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Oftentimes in life, we're faced with tough decisions and the path forward isn't always clear. No matter what you're dealing with, whether it's anxiety, depression, or thoughts that keep you up at night, therapy helps you stay connected as you navigate life. And trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. As I'm sure many of you know by now, I've been a huge proponent of therapy since I started going about six years ago. It's been hugely helpful and given me the empathy to understand my past self, which has in turn allowed me to better understand my current self. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp might be perfect for you. It's 100% online and designed to work around your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll be matched with a certified and licensed therapist. Plus you can switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Padilla to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Padilla. Now back to the world of Oliver Tree. You mentioned that you've you you dealt with a lot of death and hardship in your life. Is that you mentioned that your 
sober, you used to have all those addictions. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if you're fully sober. I am fully sober, nice. yeah. I do drink coffee, but Damn. that's it. That's pushing it. I know. But yeah, I mean, I think weed has been encroaching three years, mm. uh, alcohol two years. Um, tobacco was like the hardest one for me to cut off. That was like, um, I would say it's been like 10 months or something, but I mean, hard drugs and everything has been like a few years as well, maybe mm. four or something like that. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get off substance. For me, I like struggle with it and I, um, I've done every drug under the sun. Were you numbing? Yeah, for sure. I started getting into drugs after my cousin passed away and I was like, I could die at any moment. And like, what else does this life have to offer? And I think that was my excuse of trying to numb the pain of that. And so like before that, my friends were like, we're gonna smoke weed. And I was like, whoa, 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 we're, we're definitely not. And they would go out and smoke without me. And so like, I was like raised with the right ideas, but you know, we have to go down those paths ourselves. and. Someone could say, don't do that, but you kind of have to learn it on your own. And and also, yeah, touching on the death thing, it's like I had a, enough experience where I did enough drugs and I was kicked out of my parents' house in high school and they like threw all my clothes out and they were throwing my DJ gear on the, I used to be a dubstep DJ back in oh, the hell day. Oh yeah, with, with Skrillex, right? I played with Skrillex, yeah, in high school. But it was one of those things where like even that scene, you're like around all these people that are basically zombies. They're like dilapidating themselves. Each time you see them get more decrepit, like, tripping out and so you're kind of just like what am I contributing with this and then once I like I there's a story and I won't get into it but it's like I had a rebirth at Burning Man where I went on a family vacation and I ended up taking way too much acid and a lot of some other drugs as well and I was running naked through the desert and then basically I watched my funeral play out and like my death and I went to my own funeral and so these things played a huge factor in my storytelling with death, but ultimately I'm working on other things as well. And death is so intertwined with that because I'm still trying to understand my experience with what I've seen and what I've seen through those trips mm -hmm. and being able to kind of like let that play out through my life because it's such a profound thing. And I guess we're always just preparing for that moment. What did seeing your own funeral, your own death teach you? Well, the best part of that story was that um, I woke up the next day and I was alive. And I got to say, oh my God, I'm alive. Like I, my body was covered in cuts. My head was warped. I was trying to pull my head open to pull my brain out of my head. Oh, and fuck. like my head was like warped and my whole body was covered in cuts from my feet to my, literally my face. That alone was something that made me rethink everything. I'm like, no fucking way. I get to be alive again. I get another shot at being a human. So that was like kind of where I really shifted all my attention and energy over to music and that's why for me music is like a religion it saved me in those moments of darkness in those moments where I had nothing and was that one friend that was there for me that could always lift me up and, and gave me something to harness that energy yield that negative energy that wanted to go in and just like pretty much just self-harm myself but instead pouring it into something that I could be able to share with others you mentioned that the music creating the music has saved you saved your life it's put it's allowed you to put your energy toward something. One thing I feel like a lot of people don't talk about is that you know, the, the, in the creative expression process, you are releasing emotions that otherwise would kind of be trapped right. within you. Can you talk about the process of putting these those emotions out instead right. of holding them in? So the greatest part of making art is the idea that you can be filled with 
so much negative energy and feel so much pain, suffering, which every human does. And you can harness all of that and create something out of seemingly thin air and turn all that negative energy that's bottled up inside you into something beautiful that makes you want to move and dance and cry. And like when I make music, by the end of the night when I'm finished the song, I'm literally just like, oh my God, play it again, play it again. And I'll listen to it like 20 times and I'll listen to it on the ride home. And when I get to bed, I'll lay in bed and listen to it. And if it's really good, I'll know because the next day I'll wake up and start listening to it again. But pretty much that's the experience is I make it for myself exactly where I'm at at that point in that moment in time. And it's made to my exact taste that I love in this moment and the suffering and pain I'm going through. And we're not that unique, it turns out. We think, oh man, my problems are so big and everyone is living such a different life. But like we, aren't very different. We all are happy, we're sad, we're mad, we eat food, we have sex, we go to the bathroom. And it's not lucky. that complicated, you yeah. know? So whatever you're going through, there's billions of other people, if not every single person that's felt those feelings. You know, obviously there's unique anomalies and people who are dealing with other things and, you know, not to say we're all exactly the same, but we're not that complex. So whatever you're going through, there's a very high chance that most people also maybe are not going through at that moment, but have gone through it or will go through it. And so that art piece will be relatable to them at one point of their life. That point that you made about, you know, putting all of your energy, whether, you know, whatever pain, suffering, emotion that you're feeling in that moment, translating it into a song, into sound waves, into something that's not even physically there, but it completely transforms the way that you feel and changes that emotion, that pain, that suffering into something that you can feel something positive from. You could dance to it. You can connect with it in a way where it changed that form from something negative. That energy is now not negative. It's something that feels positive. I think that's just so interesting. I think that is, you know, the, the power of art. And that is why so many people connect with your music, with, you know, you, you have lyrics that are dark, that, that express the pain that you're going through. But yeah, it's it's almost addictive to, to listen to it. You know, like I, I have not been able to get your song Miss You out of my head for like the past two weeks. And you have lyrics that are like, don't fret, I don't ever wanna see you, and I never wanna miss you again. One thing, when you're angry, you're a jerk, and then you treat me like I'm worth nothing. You know, you have these lyrics that are coming are from such- Are you reading that? He's reading it not. off the thing. That is straight from my head. You thought you could that get away with it. That is straight from my head. I would never read lyrics behind your head that I put behind you. Never. So those those lyrics, they're they're painful. You know, if you just break it down to just the words, if I were to read that in a letter that someone gave me, I'd be like, damn, this person is was feeling such pain. And I'm I'm sure you you remember to some degree the pain that you felt in writing those lyrics, but you've changed it into something that's catchy that people get behind, that they they that's addictive to listen to and dance to. I think about that often. It's about harnessing energy and yielding as much of it as possible and pushing it into something else. Cause it's the time when you need the music the most. So it's like, I find too, and I would be falling in love and I've fallen in love many times throughout my life. I think five or six times now. And realistically, when you're feeling in love, you don't feel the need to create as much. Not that you can't, but it's more just like, oh man, life's so good. But when you really need it the most is when you're going through the darkness. Cause that's, that's the thing that leads you to the light. So it's like, I found that so much more of my music is made during those darker periods to help me get out of the suffering, to help me It helps me you escape. like release that negative energy when you're not necessarily trying to release the positive in love feelings. And the one thing I will say on that is I feel like people 
get a little bit more out of someone's songs that are suffering because they might be suffering more. You know, it's like you're in love, you already feel great. Like you could have a song play that helps reflect that. But when you're really in a dark place, those are the people who need to be lifted up the most. So it's, it's like, you like, need it. You need yeah, that's where like, like, and that's why you always get the messages, you know, like I get so many messages of people being like, you saved my life. Like this music was the thing that got me out of this darkness. And you know, whether that's true or not is out of the conversation. It's just, you can tell in general people are suffering and they are lifted up by those darker songs more than the material that's like, oh, I'm so in love, baby, perfect. And it's like, cool, we're already in that good mood if we're in that place of mind. But when you're in the darkness is when you need to be having someone help lift you up. Making art in general, you're putting yourself out there, you know? So people are gonna shit on you no matter what. Fuck them. <laughs> Who cares? You know, people are gonna judge you in life and I find it's much easier to just be able to take a deep breath, remind yourself who you are, what you do, what you stand for, what you live for in that moment or constantly changing and evolving and growing and people don't resonate with that version of you at that moment, fuck them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can evolve and change and devolve as well in the case of your buddy Ian. <laughs> Total devolution, de-evolution, devolution. Wait, are you guys friends still? Yeah, yeah, we, we, I don't know if you heard the news, we bought Smosh back. I thought it was a lie. What? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding We're me? We're back, dude. What? It's crazy. Dude, I didn't know if it was true. You're going to be in a video soon with us. Right? I'm going to be in a video? Are you not? We're pitching it. Let's go. <laughs> we pitched it to you. I thought you said you were down. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. We got the set downstairs. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> you didn't know that shit? No, I did. I'm fucking with you. Look at this character acting. Look no, at this no. character. I mean, come on. I was, that was believable? <laughs> a little bit. Okay. A little bit. Well, I'm trying to, I tried to make, that was the, like the least, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. But the, the new album, you gave me a preview of the new album, which just dropped. And it's, it seems like it's coming from a lot more of a, there's some romance in there. There's some, there's some positive in love lyrics in there. Right, and that's the thing. I always would be falling in love and then I forget to document it. And this time around, I was like, I gotta capture some of this because this moment comes and goes. And if I don't catch this right now, especially when it's blooming at the earlier phases of it, that's when it's the most intense as far as like the realization. And I feel like every time we fall in love, it feels like we're falling in love for the first time again. It's so powerful. And mm -hmm. so it's as if you've never fallen in love. And so I was like, wow, I really need to really document it this time and not go out of my way to do it. But I just made sure, hey, I'm gonna go a little extra right now and try to try to capture this because it's always the other way around where I'm like, oh man, I feel so great and I'm gonna enjoy this. And then I forget to document it. And then I'm like, oh, here I am picking up the pieces. And then I'm like trying to, bring myself back up after falling down so lowly after my heart's been broken or, you know, it didn't work out. Yeah, so it's so it's difficult for you to remember to take those snapshots. This time I said, hey, I'm gonna take a photo. Uh -huh. I wanna capture it for once. Uh -huh. I always have all these sad songs. Yeah. When do I get to make a happy one? Mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the biggest ways that people are misinformed about you? Do you have any specific examples? you deal with seeing people have ideas about you that are just completely like, where the fuck did that even come from? I had dated another artist and um, when we broke up, her fans came after me and she had asked them, hey guys, please let Oliver be, we're on good terms. And 
Crazy enough, that just made more people be sending me more death threats and more things, which I have no idea even how that is the response to asking someone to leave you alone. She released an album recently and um, her fans speculated that it was about me. And they started making, you know, all different types of crazy stories. She responded in comment sections on TikTok also being like, hey, the album's not about him. This song, this thing that you think is about him is not about him. And it's been something that's just kind of brought me to a pretty severe place of depression. And um, I don't like to talk about that stuff. I don't like to show that, but the reality is like, people don't realize that what they say or do has an impact on people. They think it's not heard or not noticed, but um, yeah, it fucks people up. So how do you recover from that feeling like, you know, there's, there's masses of people that have an opinion about you that you've confirmed is not valid, that the other person in the situation is confirmed is not valid. and. The more that it's brought up, the more hate gets directed at you. How do you recover from that and continue moving forward? For one, I just had to get off the internet. I think I stayed off for like three or four months, which isn't enough time. I would prefer to just not be on the internet, but part of my job when there is an album cycle is to be on the internet. So I had to go back on obviously after a long enough period. And one of the things is just working on your mental health, you know, putting my energy into my creations and my dreams and not being focused on, you know, all the negativity. I could look forever and find people to hate me for any reason, whether it's the way I look, who they think I am, what they think I've done. Um, but the truth is that that's not gonna help me make more art to inspire more people to do more with my lifetime, it's just gonna make me curl up into a ball and feel like I never wanna go outside. So for me, it started with just cleansing myself off the internet, just being focused on creation, which is what I do and why I got into making stuff. What's something you wish you would've known when you first got started? Well, I think that we live with this idea that we are gonna get there and we will arrive. But the thing is, whenever you are doing a job like that, the bar just keeps, going further and further away. So no matter what, no matter where you go, like me and my managers would talk and be like, when are we gonna do it next year? Are we gonna finally get it? And then we're like, next year. And that's every year. Even when we get to the thing that we were hoping to get to, it's like, next year is gonna get good. Just wait till next year. And it's kind of this like thing where at a certain point you stop talking about it because you're like, next year is never coming. Like, this is it. It's always like, let's just enjoy this. And then what happens too is you reach a certain point. And I've gotten little tastes of this point, but it hits over a certain point and you're like, looking back, that was the golden part. Or, oh, that was the good stuff. I, I wish we could have just soaked it up more because now the pressure is even bigger and now you're, there's much more risk and it just feels like more of a job. So I think that in general, being really enjoying the moments as they happen and not having this idea that it's gonna arrive because there is no arrival. I think when you die, that's the arrival. What are you looking forward to most given the fact that you know that it's not about reaching that goal? You know, you you, you have this album you just dropped, you're about to go on a worldwide tour. Yep. I'm excited to explore, meet new people. I'm excited to make the next album. I'm excited to make some of these feature films because I know for me, the, the actual process of making the art is far more exciting than the actual end result. Like the journey of just making it and the process of it is the high. And so for me, 
I'm coming to terms with just trying to take more moments to soak it up and enjoy it. Just be there, be present. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be over shortly. Very shortly. Just like this interview. Is and it then, literally a bowl? Yeah, well, it's a chili bowl is the term. Oh, okay. And we put the bowl on, it's bigger than a cereal bowl because my head is very large, it's abnormally sized. So right. I have a pretty big size head to begin with. Like just enough for chili. But yeah, basically we use a chili bowl and we put it on and then the backside is obviously not, this is the bullet, the bowl cut mullet. So, bullet. You know, is that party coin? 360. Yeah, yeah. 